Welcome to the only podcast that delivers the best hard-hitting analysis on everything, football both on the pitch and off it. With expert opinions from players, coaches and journalists, we dive deeper into the aspects that makes the game we love the most. Host Joshua Rakundo and this is The Hat Trick. Um, welcome to this week's Hat Trick podcast. Um... With me here is uh, Ronald, Ronald Mugabe, my usual, my usual co-host and uh, partner and analyst. Ronald, how are you doing? How was your week? And uh, how is your sporting week going? Yo, mine is lively. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here on the hat-trick with Joshua this wonderful day. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, of course, uh, uh, with us, uh, the stories that we have to do uh, and uh, we're working on uh, chapter gay bre- uh, breaking a world record again. This guy just can't stop breaking records. Uh, in Valencia, mid this week, how how was it for you? Like, uh, how how did you see him uh, coming to make this happen? Um, if someone told you that they saw it coming, then they would be liars. Mm. Maybe after that win in Monaco, when he won again, the same guy, he broke his record, uh, Bekele's record, 5,000 meters. And then he comes again and breaks the 10,000 meters. Uh, my memories quickly run back to 2017 when he was running in Kampala here around Kololo when he, like, he didn't really perform well and all the media was on to him because of his bad performance. But uh, looking at how he has come back and bounced back to, you know, break world records back to back, I mean, just in a period of three weeks wow. and he's breaking another world record, I think that's great for the country and that's great for everyone, yeah. Well, uh, shout out to uh, uh, Gay, Joshua, uh, my namesake actually, and uh, wow. <laughs> he, he making a very, very big headline in our Independence Week. That was a very, very, very big plus for him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I see Gay and Joshua keep, and uh, Kiplimo yes. uh, doing wonders even in the coming Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you actually think uh, his performance in Valencia could give us a... Uh, a very early sight for what is going to happen in the Olympics for well, his particular races. Well, as a person, uh, all Ugandan athletes, I'm very happy for them because mm. it starts way back in uh, when Kiprotich, you remember when he did bring that gold from the Olympics. Yeah. And then that's when like the tide started turning for the Uganda, I mean for the Ugandan uh, athletes. And they started now winning gold back to back. The confidence was brought back into the team or into the, I mean, the athletics uh, squad. Um, before that, Kenyans used to, like, be the guys on the forefront. And I think Ugandans then picked up a new, like, idea or trick of, you know, getting this thing going. Because one of the things I've seen they've done is that their starting pace is always, you know, the one they use for finishing. So they maintain the pace. Because uh-huh. previously, Kenyans used to, like, come in huge numbers, first of all, knock you down, like get three guys, knock these other challengers, you know, a little bit while racing Mm -hmm. and while the other guy is racing. But today you find that the Ugandans start quite early with a strong pace and they maintain it and then they finish with it. I don't know whether it's about the training, but I see hope in our athletes if they've, you know, tried now to master some technique in how they can win these races and bring gold. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting. And uh, another story that was actually um, caught my eye is uh, the extension of uh, the Uganda Premier League. 
and um, this actually resumes. Uh, FUFA has made it clear that it's going to be resuming in mid-November. Do uh, you think? Uh, what, what's your thought about FUFA's organization for the league and uh, it being able to sustain and work with uh, the SOPs that the government has actually put for them to return? Yeah, I think uh, to me uh, the Uganda Cre- I mean the, the Uganda Premier League starting a little bit later than they had anticipated because by now they should have started. But I, I think it is wiser now to be cautious and push the football a little up front such that you do not, you know, you prepare well and you do not, uh, you know, fall into things that you might, that might, you know, pull you back. So I saw that uh, press conference which the CEO of FUFA, Edgar Watson, came out and make, made that announcement because they, they oversee the, 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 the footballing activities that do take place yeah. within the country. So I think pushing the league a bit up front because now you have qualifiers it's hard for you to get the players safe play and most and right now you if you look at the squad now that is uh, taking that trip to dubai you see that most of the players who are supposed to play uh, uh local locally based players so it's kind of hard for you to just like uh, get those players in, and then again put them in a fixture of playing in the league yes yeah um uh i i think it's uh, quite somehow more feasible for the for the league to actually resume in uh, mid-November. But what I'm not sure about is, do they still have the capacity, the financial muscle, to actually have um, these games and these players be tested every fortnight and. I, I probably think it, it's not quite uh, manageable for them to be tested every 72 hours into the game. Did, did, we, we, we are going to have um, a see at it when we have the big league qualifiers, that, uh, the playoffs that are going to happen in Injero. But this is going to happen like a, a bubble setting whereby we have all the players in one setting, in one environment. Do you think for the league, uh, it can actually happen for all the 16 clubs, you know? But I think they should give it more time. I don't even think that November is, you know, the right time for them to start the league. Because, I mean, we've seen even bigger, much bigger or much well-facilitated clubs, say, abroad. Like in England, you see how clubs are now clamoring and crying out for uh, the FA to kind of, you know, let these other big clubs pay for them their, you know, testing fees. Because they cannot, you know, test the players themselves. So I think they should give it more time see how it goes down and then pick it up again because when you try to rush it now, you might get two uh, problems. You might get people infected with COVID-19 and you have to treat them and then you also might, you know, you know, jeopardize again the little light that has been lit for you to start the league year. Wow. Um, uh, still, uh, we go ahead to discuss uh, Uganda cranes having splashed, FUFA having splashed over 1.9 billion on the Dubai, um, the Dubai residential camp for the players. They arrived uh, yesterday and they have gone on to have their residential class training today, early morning. And um, what do you think is, um, was this really necessary for them to go to Dubai and have uh, preparation for their friendly? Well, I saw that front on one of the big uh, television networks from one of the big journalists in the country who was talking about it. Well, personally, I think it is not, uh, you know, feasible, like, you can't sit back there and comprehend how such huge amounts of money can be poured in, you know, a trip. And, and, and they are trying to prepare 
against South Sudan. I mean, <laughs> all that money against South Sudan. You calling South Sudan a small team, or uh, we no, already know the result? I mean, by ranking, if you look at the FUFA rankings, I don't even know the last time I checked what ranking number they were. But you know, if you are preparing for a, a, a real game, say, or a game, a qualifying game, or or something against a you know a much better team, but South Sudan, for Christ's sake. I think it's it's overly hyped and, and the monies are not justifiable going to Dubai. Um, that uh, moreover, much more in these hard times when actually clubs, times, yes. clubs yes. actually need um, a, a sort of stimulus fund to actually prepare for the oncoming season. No, I don't think the same money. I don't think that it's the same money. I don't think their funders are the same. Mm. But you know, that like you, it's hard for you to tell someone that you're trying to prepare against a game against South Sudan and then you spend 1.9 billion Uganda shillings and go to Dubai, one of those countries which were seen to be epicenters of the, pand- of the pandemic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, going into this lockdown and then now you're going there and, you know, with all the stigma that is attached to it and risking the players, first of all. Mm-hmm. What if you come back and they tell you that the players picked uh, the, the, the pandemic or the, the virus from there and brought it back home? What would you say? I mean, it's, it's really not... Uh, for me. Oh, well, still ahead of the, the uh, qualifiers where the Uganda Cranes future and um, we have Onyango that has actually been blocked by the Sundowners, the Mamelodi team that he actually just won trophies for uh, a few uh, months ago and they have blocked him to join the Uganda Cranes camp in Dubai. Uh, Do you think, think it sends a message to South Sudan or uh, it, does it affect the no, team South, selection? I think South Sudan is better off, even if we had our fourth choice goalkeeper in, wow, in the, in the, in the so sticks. Deep, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, we would play against them. But uh, it also, say, uh, I mean, looking at it from the Mamelodi's perspective, I mean, here you have a great player, one of the best goalkeepers on the continent, one of the best keepers, of the, the best players in your team. And he is now at flight risk traveling to, say, a country which you are not sure about under conditions you're not very sure about, just to play one or two games and come back. Yeah. I mean, what if he gets sick from there and then you have to again wait without him? I think clubs Considering now, the fact that he's actually been out for some period and he, he wasn't able to be in the... In the start in the goalposts for his club uh, for I think uh, a couple of number of games. Yes, I think he missed out even on the last last games they played in, in in at home. I think yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, so we we of course uh, pray that everything goes well. Uh, McKinstry has come out to rant on it, and yeah, another story that we actually are uh, discussing is uh, we have the She Cranes coach ayub khalifa that has uh, tested positive of uh, covid 19 ahead of uh, the uh, the cranes world cup qualifiers mm. well i think they have to just be prepared for such cases because they are going to be coming mm. like it is now in the epl like every like every say every like weekend you have some players missing we saw tiago alcantara missing out on the liverpool game the Liverpool game they played with Aston Villa because of the same COVID-19. So I think they have to just be used to it and adjust because like what you said, that players now have to be tested on a regular basis. Yeah, Even everyone around the footballing, I mean, community kind of like in the, in the program, they all have to be tested. It's not only the footballers. Mm-hmm. So the question still hangs around is that, are they, are they, is the league ready to handle such huge amounts of money?
Yeah. Well, still, Ram, uh, we are discuss- We go ahead to have uh, international leagues and uh, the top flight European leagues that have actually managed to be playing. We have seen Manchester United mm-hmm. going on to lose to Spurs, Mourinho returning to Old Trafford in yes. an Olegana misery when he <laughs> actually scored six goals past De Gea. Mm. Maguire looking so funny in that game mm. and uh, Bailey totally off a bad working day for him. Um, I was reading Luke Shaw's statements when the game ended and he said that just after Anthony Marshall got that red card, then everyone switched off. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really be quick to blame uh, the defense, like everyone has been doing. Harry Maguire, one of the decent defenders I know. Most expensive damage Manchester United has after. I don't think so. I think he's a decent defender. It's just that he had a bad day in office. Of course, the red card notwithstanding, it also like, you know, put them in a very bad position. But when you look closely to say how they played as a team. I think Oleguna Sosha is still failing to make some big decisions. Mm. I don't know what happens when you get into that Manchester United dugout. Every coach that has come in there has just like had a brain freeze. When you look back to people like uh, Jose Mourinho himself, when you look at the, uh, Louis van Gaal, when you look at this other guy from Scotland, uh, David Moyes, kind of like they had a brain freeze and they weren't able to really make Serious decisions. I think it also comes with the player powers. I think uh, Oleguna Sosha has let these players, some of these players like Paul Pogba, have a lot of say and do whatever they want without being touched. So I think they have, there's need for changes. And the goals, of course, the red card, if you're down one man against a Jose Mourinho and you have a whole entire hour to play, trust me, he will hurt you. Oh, wow. Uh, we saw Klopp still suffer more wounds at uh, the cost of Jack Grealish and uh, his teammates. What do you think about um, Liverpool? Do you think they have actually vaxxed, they have found the vaccine to Klopp's theory? I don't think so. What I think is that these are the clubs in the EPL. Uh, look at the mid-table clubs and, and also the lower bottom table clubs, you know, have, have in a way strengthened their squads. If you look at Aston Villa that was playing against Liverpool, they both Aston Villa are currently in the second position. Yes. With nine points. Yes. Remember when they how they finished the league, almost uh, surviving relegation. Yeah, true. But this time round, they go in the transfer season, uh, transfer markets. You know, do some good signings. The likes of uh, uh, Buckley from Chelsea. They maintain. They retain their uh, Jack Grealish, their captain. I think they've made some good signings. They also brought in another boy from the championship who has been, you know, doing well. He even scored a hat-trick. The name has gone for me. But if you look at these other smaller clubs, how they've been able to prepare for them for their league, it's been a little better compared to the bigger teams. I think when you have a Jack Grealish on, on the other side and you have a Marcus Rashford, mm. say, on the other side, if you put them on the weighing scale, you would see that Jack Grealish is a little bit better. He's hungry. He's... He's mature, he wants it. I mean, he knows how to play football. And you look at Marcus Rashford, yes, he knows how to play football. He's been at that stage, but he's still childish, still playing his own, you know, childish stuff. And, and when you compare the two, so when you have run-ins like those, that's when you get a 7-2 uh, Liverpool. Uh, Aston, well, you know. we have actually seen him on the England, England taking on uh, uh, Ireland. And he, he actually had a very, very fantastic game. Yes. Uh, Southgate coming up to praise him in the, in the press conference. And still about teams that are actually still perfect and still holding on to their full perfection is uh, 
Everton. Everton coming up to oppress Brighton at home to a 4-2 in this latest game week. Yeah, I think Calvert-Lewin continuing with his form. Uh, they, you know, like I said, they, they've gone ahead to do some good business. Mm. First of all, one of the things they did is sign a good manager in Carlo Ancelotti. Very, very professional yes. manager At and first a I very thought, trusted manager yeah. by the players. Um, he knows the league is won it. At first, I thought it wasn't. He wasn't going to make any difference, like because I thought the the same, like Everton were going to play at the same level. But he's is like kind of a revelation this season. I mean, he's gone ahead to bring in some decent players, the likes of uh, Rodriguez. I mean, he's signed. Um, he signed. Uh, he managed to sign James Rodriguez. Uh, he signed uh, three full backs that actually uh, are looking so good. And then um, he has actually had a lot of influence on that team and its performance. He's a very respected manager all over Europe. He has uh, coached in all the top flight uh, leaders of, of Europe. And I, I, I'm not shocked by the results of Everton. It's a very, very organized side. 12 points in four games in the first position. I think the honeymoon is still on, so mm. they should enjoy the moment. Though well, I don't think they might sustain that for long. They have some good players in there. They have the likes of... Uh, Iwobi, who moved from Arsenal, he's a good player, he's experienced, though he doesn't add much, but you know, when you have such players, they can turn around a few games, a few games for you. So I think uh, going against Brighton, which troubled Manchester United mm. not so long ago, I think, yeah, he's on the right track and let him keep on piling up the points. Perhaps he might finish in Europa positions. All right, still about the Premier League, we discussed those in the red zone. Burnley is still suffering. You know, Burnley uh, ended the season last season on a bad note and it's back at it again. Fulham, Sheffield United. Sheffield United, having had a very, very uh, bad weekend, they were red carded, uh, in, I think in the first half against Aston Villa, a very, very good side. And we see another side that is actually in that red zone suffer a 4-3 loss over Leeds United. They considered goals and... Um, not by surprise or what, by high school mistakes. These um, defensive errors that made them punished by a very, very good forward of um, Leeds United. What did, what, what's your take on these sides of, uh, that are actually in the relegation uh, zone? There is Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley. Well, I think uh, the, this, the season has just started, just three to four, two games. Yeah, uh, I think we just have to wait and see how they will reorganize because now you can see the fixtures are being piled up and you don't know what will happen. Mm-hmm. So I think the league is still yet to take shape, still yet in the proper picture where we can judge them. But talking about Leeds, they did frustrate Guardiola at uh, at, 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 at they, they, they were at their home ground. Yeah, yes. true. So they, they, they really played well and held them out at a 1 1 draw. So I think. Some of these small clubs are beginning to touch the fire. Oh, wow. Um, uh, we had uh, some games in Italian Serie uh, that actually didn't happen. Yeah, Juventus, Napoli. I was looking forward to that, but <laughs> surprise, surprise, it never happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the funny things I heard is that they weren't good communication. They didn't communicate that. They had trouble uh, flying in from Naples to, uh, to Italy. So. And as um, we we conclude this week's episode and uh, on the Hattrick podcast, uh, the ongoing um, 
um, international friendlies. Uh, we have Japan, Cameroon, uh, and then Kenya, Zambia. It's actually right now happening, and it's halftime, and with a 1-0. And then Mali is taking on Ghana, Tunisia, Sudan, Nigeria, Algeria, and Morocco, Senegal. That's one of the biggest. Mm. What do you think about uh, the African champions taking on Morocco? Team uh, Senate- ZH has been summoned on that, and um, we, we are yet to see... Uh, Senegal. I think Senegal is still a much better team compared to Morocco. Yeah, even if they have some of the Morocco has some good quality. I mean, organization and all that. They're almost like a European team or a European country in terms of facilitation, in terms of how they prepare. But Senegal, really, given the, the big players, big names they have, Sadio Mane, Ismail Assa, those players who play in the EPL day in day out. I think. Senegal might just have a, you know, an antidote to this. Oh, wow. And uh, we are yet to see uh, other fixtures that will actually be featuring in uh, international. Uh, we have uh, Denmark, Sweden. Those ones will come later on. And I think that, that that's... Um, yes, Scandinavian Davi. It's one big two. game to look out for. <laughs> and then... Uh, still about this qualifier we we managed to see uh, Sergio Ramos managed to defend Cristiano Ronaldo again and play again alongside Pepe I think Pepe didn't feature in that game mm. but uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, Bruno Fernandes they they came along on uh, to the Spain statement well I would put it the other way around because uh, Spain has been ranking a bit higher than Portugal. <laughs> mm. Yes, in terms of football and in terms of playing stuff. But there's something that has happened to Portugal these days. Ever since they got that manager or that coach, he's managed to bring out some of the decent players that, you know, Portugal now, every player you look at on that Portugal squad is somewhere else busy in their footballing clubs. For instance, you look at Gael Felix, Atletico Madrid. You look at uh, Bruno Fernandes, he's busy with Manchester United. A great future ahead for Portugal's team. I mean, they are in the future. You're not worried about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo retirement? Not really, because they have the, the, the Silva, uh, Bernardo Silva at Manchester City. They have Diego Jota at Liverpool. I mean, these guys, they have now Diaz, who has just moved to Manchester City. So, there's a lot to talk about them. I mean, they just have a decent team. They can, you know, do any damage. I think now they match Spain pound for pound. And right now, if you are to look closely, the Spanish team is a little bit now lower in terms of playing stuff compared to the Portuguese team. Wow. Still in the news updates, uh, FA has come up to uh, put pressure onto the government so that they can actually let in funds into the clubs. I think this uh, clearly demonstrates how much it's training for the clubs to input, uh, to put in the financial, uh, the, the financial strength for them, yet they're actually not earning. And uh, I think um, w- what's your, uh, what are you looking up to for this uh, coming week, for, for, for your sporting week? Um, what I'm looking at now is to see how the international friendlies come to an end. You, the European transfer has just come to an end. Some of the big name players have been signed to this club. The likes of Edison Cavani, wow. uh, the likes of Fecundo uh, um, Pellistri, Manchester United bringing in a surprise. A purchase there from <laughs> a Palomero. So I think we are looking at how they will fare. Most of the people right now, they won't, most of us won't be looking so closely to these international friendlies. Well, and lastly, as a United fan, I think this has actually given me breathing space from the pressure that was actually 
piling up How for that? all organizations. No, um, uh, this this uh, this international break has actually given us that space, you okay. know, to breathe and you know we can refresh at Old Trafford. That's it, been uh, for the uh, Hattrick Podcast this episode. Thank you for catching us. See you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us on this week on The Hattrick. Make sure you visit our website, thehattrickpodcast.com, where you can subscribe on iTunes, CastBox, and Overcast so that you can never miss a show. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. God bless you.